listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. And this is our last one for this year, but it's not the last one in this series. Never fear. There are more coming in 2023, (laughs) but our last one for 2022. And this is kind of a unique one. Looking forward to sharing this story. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today is Nick Sargent, Vice President for Standing Partnership. We'll learn what standing partnership is in just a moment. Nick, welcome to the coffee hour. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to, uh, to you both for doing this all year long with Set Apart to Serve. It's been a great blessing to have the message get out. It's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot along the way, and it's kind of evolved into more than uh, more like engaging stories than what we anticipated from the beginning. Then we thought, oh, it might be a couple of good stories, a few good stories. And we're up to like 25, yeah, right. 26. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of engaging stories. What is what is the work of standing partnership today? That's a, a great a great question. We're, we are, in the simplest terms, a marketing and communications firm based out of St. Louis, Missouri, not too far from the Senate headquarters, actually. And we do a lot of different work. And sometimes I hesitate to say marketing communications because it sometimes feels maybe not exactly right. Really, what I tell people that I do for a job or what my work is, helping organizations find their biggest challenge and find ways to to solve it or find ways to deal with it. And oftentimes there's a lot of communication and stakeholder engagement to, to use sort of a, a really jargony term that has to happen to solve those challenges. And frankly, that's how we came to, to work with the city on this project. So why, uh, why is it important for you for this work to happen, this partnership? What is important for you to be talking to our youth about church work? Well, I think for, for me personally, the important part is to help other young people find their passion and their way to connect to the world in a meaningful way. I am would not begin to compare my job as a consultant to the important work that church workers do. But the way that I, this job, the way that I work means so much to me and allows me to feel fulfilled and connected, especially when I'm working on important projects like this one in a way that I hope that everybody gets a chance to have in their life, a real connection to what vocation really means. And I know for me personally, there have been so many people and moments that if they did not happen, the moments, or if the people had not reached out to me and really made an impact in my life, even in really small ways, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. I wouldn't be in the house that I'm working out of. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't have my children. All of these things that are so critical to my life wouldn't have happened without them in those moments. And I've really, the passion that I feel, one is from the passion of everyone that I work with uh, at the Synod who are so incredibly dedicated to their work and to the mission of the church. And then to be able to make that connection of really seeing how this connects my own life in a meaningful way has been incredible for me. 
What has been your role and the role of standing partnership in helping the LCMS with the Set Apart to Serve initiative? No, it's a lot of role that we play is really often being convener, the strategist to help when a organization. So in this case, we had some connections to some folks within the leadership of the Senate, and we started just to have discussions about this particular challenge, which was a shortage of church workers on the horizon and what could be done. How do we go about solving this challenge, which is not an easy one, particularly when you're talking about the, the amount of study that goes into it. It's not something that can change overnight. And what we did is really help them define the scope of the problem or the challenge, understand what exactly they were trying to impact, and then help define what exactly, how do we understand what is in the way of people becoming church workers? How do we scope out that research? How do we ask the right questions to understand what might be preventing people from going to church work today? And how do we start to put a plan together to clear those obstacles out of the way. And that has grown into the Set Apart to Serve initiative. So in your work as a creative, doing marketing and communications work, as you described, it's a little bit broader than people might realize. What's important about this creative behind the scenes work, the maybe more boots on the ground marketing communications work, when we're trying to do something like this initiative with the Set Apart to Serve series, what is that role of the marketing communications creative work when we're doing this, these initiatives to really reach out to young people? Most important role, I think, from the creative standpoint is to equip the folks that need to be having these conversations to be able to have them. And that is what really the research showed us is that was one of the major obstacles or the major obstacle. Number one, the church workers who are out in the field all across the country, whether they be teachers, pastors, directors of, of music, no matter where they were, they, almost everyone had a moment where somebody came to them and said, I think church work would really suit you. I think you should make a look at this. Somebody who encouraged them, their parents certainly, but a significant adult influencer, a pastor himself or another church worker themselves, or even a lay leader within the church saying, I see this in you. Maybe you should consider going to Concordia and pursuing one of these church work programs. That was really impactful. And then on the other hand, what we were finding is that church workers were intentionally having these conversations, that a lot of them just quite frankly, weren't thinking about it or didn't necessarily know that was their role. And it's a really important role to play at the, at the congregation, at the school, to be able to look at the young people that are coming into your church, part of your Sunday school, part of your programs, or part of your youth group and say, wow, you really have a hard service. You really, maybe you're really dedicated to faith. Maybe this is a way for you to live out your faith. Those things weren't happening. So how do we equip them to be able to do that, to have those conversations? Some of that is turning into conversation guides. Some of that is turning into tools to help maybe put a small plan together around how to enhance that young person's experience with these are sort of really essential moments that we've found through the research have been really effective to help them really feel that calling and really understand if that is what they want to do is to be, to go into a church work 
vocation. So that has been from the creative standpoint, that's where we have, have worked with the communications team at the Senate to help develop these resources. And that's going to roll into a pilot program, which is launching at the beginning of next year or next month. And I'm look for, looking forward to learning more about the pilot program, and we'll do that in a, just a couple of minutes. You, I, you mentioned research, so I want to go back to that. You mentioned research that helped you, helped provide some direction. Tell us more about the research that helped you identify these key points and provide some direction for how to reach young people to consider church work vocations. Like, sure. I, so the Senate itself has a great research team, and that's really where the original research came from, where they were starting to do projections out and looking at what the future holds and retirement, et cetera, and the rate of new pastors and new church workers coming in to the different congregations and schools and seeing that there is a potential shortage on the horizon. And then that's where we started to work with another firm that did some market research. They did some focus groups. They did surveys, focus groups with pastors in different parts of the country, young pastors, older pastors, younger church workers, older church workers, church work students who are in the seminary, students who were at Concordia's to understand what are the commonalities, right? Of what are some of the things that are very much foundational to somebody saying, I want to go on this path. I want to live this life. And that, again, those we were sort of talking before the recording started about where do those creative moments come from? And that was really one of them was seeing this on one hand, you know, all these really successful and happy and fulfilled church workers are telling us it was these meaningful conversations. It was my pastor pulling me aside and saying, I really think that you should consider doing this uh, as your life's work. At the same time, we are hearing from church workers that themselves also tell us, yeah, but I don't have those conversations with young people in my church. So there is this really significant opportunity, really impactful that's not happening. How can we start to equip congregations and schools to, to make that happen? So all of this work, we've been doing this for several weeks, a few months now with this pod or with these podcast episodes talking about the Set Apart to Serve initiative and sharing all of these stories. But when did this work actually begin? There was a lot of behind the scenes work that happened before the rollout. To- yes, yeah, indeed. I, and I think probably get the dates exactly wrong, but I believe it was 2019 when I first started talk with leadership in the Senate about this particular challenge. And it's a big one. It's one that is critical to the future of the church. It's critical to the faith itself. You don't have enough pastors or church workers. It sort of makes it difficult. So, but what we know is that it's also a complex one that it takes a while to, to make a difference in because you have to get uh, people interested, excited and on these educational paths that takes some years before they're ready to come into and fulfill these vocations. So it's been a project that's been going on for three years, but you plant something small and it grows into something large. And to the credit of Reverend Dr. Bond and Reverend Robson, they saw an opportunity here to not do a initiative that is for three years or to the next convention, but for something that is so critical to the future of the Synod, how do we make this a change, a cultural change in the best sense that we're creating this recruitment focus that stays with us in perpetuity until he comes again is, is the way that, that we talk about it. 
until that happens, right? How can we make sure that all of that everybody's involved in this effort to recruit young people and identify the potential to encourage them to go into church work? And that is a huge task, but uh, that, that that takes some time to accomplish. We're going to learn more about the next steps of Set Apart to Serve in just a moment, including the pilot project. So we're talking with Nick Sargent, Vice President for Standing Partnership. We'll continue the conversation on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Our guest today is Nick Sargent, Vice President for Standing Partnership, who's been helping the LCMS with organizing and strategizing for the the Set Apart to Serve initiative, helping us clarify our message and uh, and really be organized about how we go about the efforts of encouraging people to consider church work vocations. Nick, earlier you referenced the some of the pilots in this Set Apart to Serve initiative, and I know we've talked about it a little bit in the past. I think we talked with Dr. Bonick about mm-hmm. some of the pilot congregations and organizations as well. Where are we in terms of the pilot programs and the are the pilot congregations, schools, organizations that are involved with Set Apart to Serve? What's great is it's kind of perfect timing that we're having this conversation. And next month, we're going to really kick it off. We a representative congregation, school, from each district, so that's 35, plus one summer camp that was really excited and wanted to participate. And they will all be coming into St. Louis for some trainings in sort of late February, early March. And we're going to be kicking off with a virtual call to kind of let everybody know, here's what to expect when you come in. Here are the certain things that we're going to be talking about. Here's what we're looking at from you as being one of these 36 pilot participants in the project. And when they come in, what they're going to get is all of these resources that we started to develop based off of the research we talked about and get their immediate reflections and get some practice. If having conversations is part of the barrier, is it because we don't know what to say? We don't know how to start them. We don't know how to answer some really tough questions. All of that stuff will get some opportunities to really model and see how that works and get people feeling comfortable. When they go home for the next nine to 12 months after that, we're going to be regularly checking in with all of these congregations. How is this going? How is it setting up maybe a kind of focused program or a plan to get your young people these experiences? How are those conversations going? Are you seeing them have an impact? What is having it? What are the tools didn't work? What are the tools did work? What's missing from all of this so that we can better refine that and make it something that is really strong before we roll it out as a toolkit for everyone to use. What are some of the resources and tools and things that these pilot locations are going to be able to use for all of this exciting work? I think the 
there, there are a couple things that I talked about. There, there's going to be a lot to it. And with what we've created, one of the sort of big challenges as we're just thinking through the plan of all of this is knowing how varied the churches are for else the congregations are for across the country, right? But my wife grew up going to the, the MLCMS church in Lampson, Wisconsin, really small, right? They all knew each other. There's there are 25, 30 people in the pews every day. The toolkit needs to work for them just as well as it needs to for some of the churches that may be down the street from the, from the Synod in St. Louis that are much larger, that have hundreds of people coming for multiple, for multiple worships every day or for every Sunday. It's got to work for the church in California. It's got to work for the church in New York. How can we do that in a way that's comprehensive, but not prescriptive? So that's the number one thing is that all of these resources will be useful to the entire synod, but not every single one needs to be used, if that makes sense. Um, and that some of the per particular tools in there are going to be conversation guides, again, at different ages that are going to be really helpful for pastor or for the influencers within the church to be able to talk to their young people about, well, how do you identify first this, the, the, this heart of service or these other skills or observations that you might make of somebody who maybe isn't expressing Hey, I think I want to be a pastor or a Lutheran school teacher or a DCE. I, how do you help them see that in themselves? That'll be part of it. Conversation guides for younger children. You're not going to be talking to them about, well, maybe you should be a church worker someday, but you are going to be talking to them about, here's how to appreciate the church workers in, in your life. Or did you know that it's not just pastor that works for the church there or these other roles as well? That will be part of the toolkit, but probably the crux of it is going to be this sort of essential experiences toolkit. And that really should help congregations themselves when they see a young person, probably around the age of confirmation, who really is showing this promise. How can we continue to really make sure that we're engaging them and giving them the opportunities that what we've seen in our research tend to have a really big impact? serving in your local congregation, finding ways to be worked into the worship service, finding ways to have leadership roles that are appropriate, right? In youth group or in the classroom, getting them a chance to go to a camp like Camp Concordia in Michigan, getting them, if they've done that, maybe encourage them to be a counselor. Uh, can we help them get to youth gathering? If not youth gathering, can we get help get them a chance at higher things so that they might get closure to other young people that are excited about church work or about their faith in the same way they are. All of those sorts of things. Again, we don't want it to be prescriptive, but giving people opportunities to take the pieces that fit for their church, for their community, so that they can help guide these conversations. What we want to make sure is that it's not, I don't know what to do, or I'm not sure what to say, or I don't want to step on toes, or I don't know how to answer the question from mom and dad if they ask, well, how much is it going to cost if my child goes into one of these church work programs that they have the resources to, to be able to answer those questions? And in some cases, those resources may be saying, that's a great question for and helping them connect to the right person who can answer them. So again, what I think the most important thing is what we want to give people is the toolkit that they can pull from knowing that in some cases, people are going to need a screwdriver. Some cases, people are going to need a hammer. And in some cases, they're going to be both. About blowtorch. Anybody going to have a blowtorch? 
<laughs> Sorry, we're talking about tools. What <laughs> I derailed us. What what do you anticipate some of the challenges or obstacles or hurdles that the, some of the pilots might face? I think the just to be frank, one of the bigger challenges, and we share this sometimes, is there are not a lot of young people in the congregation, and there may not always be one kid of every age that is right. Like if you're not, we're not looking to ask everybody to raise up all of the future church workers. But what we would love is if every, once every few years, maybe there is somebody who needs this sort of extra attention and nurturing and conversation to help them feel that call, to, to hear what that, what might be on their heart. And they're not just, they're not even realizing that, that these vocations are an option. Um, that's really the most important thing that, that they can do. The success should not be seen as the congregations. Success and failure shouldn't be seen as, well, we got X number of students this year or next year into it. It's, did you have these conversations? Because that conversation today with a kid who's in eighth grade maybe it just plants the seed for 20 years from now when maybe they became an accountant or a journalist or a consultant, right? And they say, no, that's not what I want to do anymore. I feel my heart pulling me in a different direction. They may be more ready to have that conversation as a second career option. And that's something that certainly could happen too. Or maybe not. Maybe not everybody is suited for church work, but you can still live your faith in a different way. And these conversations help connect what it means to be Lutheran, to be faithful, and have any career, it will make them a better accountant or a better consultant potentially. And at the very least, it will hopefully make them a better lay leader. If you sit on the church board, you understand what it means to serve and makes you hopefully more empathetic and understanding of the church workers that you'll be working with throughout your life. So this pilot goes for nine, 12 months. What are some of the outcomes that we're looking forward to at the end of this pilot program? Some of the things that we hope to see the, in these pilot congregations and schools and the camp when this pilot program wraps up. I think that the things that we're looking for without question is number one, that for the time that the pilot congregations come in for the first time and we meet with them, the time that we come back and sort of talk at the end, that there's a, there's a noticeable improvement of confidence that they feel equipped to be able to understand how to have these conversations and help young people pursue these paths. The second part of it is we'll be looking and we do have a number of ways that we're going to be measuring this, that we're seeing a change in the number of requests for information from the Concordia universities or from the seminaries and information. We'll look at enrollment. We'll look at all of these things over time, the number of graduates. It is a long, we're putting together a sort of journey map slash dashboard to get back into the marketing and communication jargon that we're going to have measurements from the time that a child is baptized through the time that they're graduating from these universities, not individually, but looking at different ways to measure and say, are we doing enough at the age of baptism Are parents hearing the message about the important role that church workers play in their young person's life all the way through to, all right, if somebody enrolled in one of these church work programs, did they graduate? Did they go into the vocation? And then once they're in the vocation, are they feeling well? Are they satisfied? Are they gonna stay and feel like this is something that they wanna do for the rest of their life? 
Our guest today, Nick Sargent, Vice President for Standing Partnership. Nick, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour and all your great work on Set Apart to Serve. Such a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on today. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.